Now, an independent review into the murder of Sarah Everard is due to be published shortly, and it will examine whether any red flags were missed in catching her killer, police officer Wayne Cousins. The former armed Met police officer will never be released from prison after abducting, raping and murdering Sarah Everard <clears throat> in South London in March 2021. The 51-year-old abused his position as a police officer to trick her into thinking he could arrest her for breaking lockdown rules which were in place at the time. The murder of Sarah Everard by a serving police officer prompted a widespread outpouring of anger and grief and sparked demonstrations over concern for women's safety. Well, the Metropolitan Police was then criticised for its heavy handling of a vigil for Sarah Everard in March 2021, uh, during which some women were bundled to the ground and arrested. Well, the Met uh, subsequently made payouts to two women. After the murder, it emerged that there had been earlier concerns about Cousins' behaviour, and we're expecting a news conference any moment now. Uh, while we're waiting for that, uh, let's bring in our correspondent Simon Harrison, who's therefore, beg your pardon, Sam Harrison, who's uh, going to talk us through what we can expect to hear. So Sam, t t tell us what we can expect in the report. Well, this is a damning report, examining the conduct of police forces as they looked at the behaviour of Wayne Cousins. As you will hear from Lady Angelini over the coming moments, she hasn't held back in her criticism of the police, citing that the force needs a radical overhaul in how it vets and recruits officers, and also how it needs funda fundamental change in how it deals with cases of indecent exposure, both of which have been highlighted by the brutal behaviour of Wayne Cousins. Now, in order to make changes, the first report has been published today at 347 pages long. It doesn't hold back in its criticism. It highlights how three separate forces could have and should have stopped Wayne Cousins from being a police officer in the first place. This dates back to 2004, when Wayne Cousins first tried to join Kent Police back then. He failed his application, but despite that failure, he was still able to become a volunteer constable. Then again in 2006, he failed to gain further vetting clearance and was still retained as an officer. So that was the first chance, really, that, that um, a police force had to not retain Wayne Cousins. Now, in 2011, another police organisation failed to spot red flags. This time it was the civil Sam, nuclear constabulary. Sorry to interrupt you, Sam. We're just going to listen in now to the... Process, uh, which revealed... Sam, sorry to interrupt. Let's listen in now to the, the news conference. Good morning. Good morning. Today the Home Secretary has laid before Parliament the first report of the Angelini inquiry. As a non-statutory inquiry, the Home Secretary is responsible for publishing the report. The inquiry is, however, independent, and my report is a result of just over two years' work. Critically, this report contains 16 recommendations which are designed to help prevent a situation where anyone entrusted with the powers of a serving police officer abuses that trust in such a heinous way again. The fragility of public trust and confidence in policing affects us all, including those good police officers doing the right thing every day. It is time for all those with responsibility for policing to do everything they can to improve standards of recruitment, vetting and investigation. Wayne Cousins was never fit to be a police officer. 
Police leaders need to be sure there isn't another cousins operating in plain sight. Before I describe my findings and conclusions, I want to remember Sarah Everard, whose life was cut short by the most unimaginable cruelty. I also want to pay tribute to her loving family, who I've had the great privilege of getting to know over the last two years. I've been profoundly affected by their grief and their grace in their suffering. I've also been moved by the courage of those victims who gave evidence to the inquiry of their own experiences. I'm so grateful that they trusted us. I hope we have done them justice and that real change and improvement happens because of this report. I do not underestimate the strength speaking to the inquiry required of them. I make recommendations for improvements that need to be made to ensure that women feel safe when they report to the police. I hope that those writing about or giving an account of this publication will respect the privacy those victims deserve. I am grateful to all those who provided evidence to the inquiry and for the way organisations have cooperated with inqui inquiry's work. The terms of reference for part one required me to establish the timeline of Cousins' career and relevant incidents. This includes investigating the circumstances of his vetting, transfer between police forces and his behaviour towards women. The timeline, together with the rest of the report, has been deliberately drafted to avoid victims of Cousins' crimes being identified. I've also chosen not to name individual officers relevant to Cousins' career, other than the very senior leaders who gave evidence to the inquiry. I did this because I wanted to encourage open and frank testimony from those that gave some very sensitive evidence. I've also not named individuals who could be criticised for their action or inaction. It is not part of my role to comment on those specific individuals, but I note that where relevant, there have already been separate misconduct proceedings. My job was to identify the systemic failings or problems that led to Cousins being able to commit his horrific crimes as an off-duty police officer. Sarah's murder by an off-duty police officer shocked the nation. It triggered a surge of discourse about women's safety in public spaces and started a tidal wave of reporting on police misconduct, particularly where officers misused their powers to commit sexual offences. What is already clear is how much damage Cousins has done to the social contract on which policing is based and how significant improvements are required. The evidence seen by the inquiry has shown that failures in recruitment and vetting meant Cousins was able to continue a policing career which should have been denied to him. Failures in investigations into allegations of indecent exposure meant opportunities to disrupt Cousins' offending and bring his policing career to a halt were missed. It is clear that Cousins carefully managed the impression he gave people of himself. This, is included, this included the way he manipulated information on application forms and his troubled finances. It also included the way he shared his callous views towards women with only a very small group of like-minded people on a social media group. This all enabled him to target vulnerable women while operating in plain sight as an apparently unremarkable officer. However, the fact remains that three separate police forces allowed him the privilege of being a police officer when they could and should have stopped him. Wayne Cousins is a predatory sex offender and murderer. Evidence of his alleged offending, his preference for extreme and violent pornography and his unmanaged debts 
date back nearly 20 years prior to Sarah's murder. The report explores this in detail, but I will draw your attention to some of the major red flags and missed opportunities to halt Wayne Cousins' career and bring him to justice. The inquiry has seen evidence that Cousins allegedly committed a very serious sexual assault against a child, barely in her teens, before his policing career even started. Problems of money also predated his career with the police. Cousins had substantial unsecured debt by the time he was arrested for Sarah's murder. At the same time, the Metropolitan Police Service were taking action to recover up to £15,000 that had been paid to him in error and a year-long mortgage holiday was about to expire that month. These pressures undoubtedly affected his ability to serve as an authorised firearms officer at that time. I've seen evidence of Cousins' diverse and deviant sexual interests and understand these to be potential drivers for his offending. It is alleged that on a number of occasions, Cousins tried to show friends and colleagues pornography, including some of a violent and extreme nature. It is further alleged that on at least two occasions, he shared unsolicited photographs of his penis with young women and that he paid female online retailers to masturbate into clothes and send them to him. Since his conviction for Sarah's abduction, rape and murder, Cousins has been convicted of further crimes of indecent exposure, one of which he had already been linked to while a serving police officer. Some further allegations were charged but remain on file. Cousins is also alleged to have possessed indecent images of children. He has not been convicted of this. Crucially, the report shows how police recruitment and vetting failed to spot red flags about Cousins' unsuitability. Red flags were repeatedly ignored, meaning he was granted the privilege of serving in three separate police forces, including as an authorised firearms officer, despite, for example, his history of excessive spending and personal debt. Vetting processes also missed other information, including linking Cousins to an incident of indecent exposure. Cousins failed at interview in his application for Kent Police in 2004. He joined Kent Special Constabulary as a volunteer constable in 2006, wearing the same uniform, carrying the same kit and enjoying the same powers, including the power of arrest as a regular police officer. He was able to secure promotion to the grade of section officer, a position of authority comparable to a sergeant in the regular force. In a further application to join the regular Kent Police Force in 2008, Cousins failed to gain vetting clearance. Despite that vetting failure, Cousins was retained as a volunteer officer. When he applied to join the Civil Nuclear Constabulary, the CNC, Cousins' financial position was not given proper consideration. According to 2011 vetting guidance, he should have been refused vetting because he had an IVA, an individual voluntary arrangement, which is for those with debt wishing to avoid bankruptcy. Thames Valley Police, to whom his forced vetting was outsourced, recommended that Cousins should not pass forced vetting. This recommendation was not followed. The CNC gave inadequate weight to his financial history during the vetting process. 
in 2013 when he was serving as an authorised firearms officer with the CNC. There was an episode when Cousins was reported missing from home. The CNC were not informed of the report, thereby being denied an opportunity to explore or revisit his suitability for the Office of Constable. I make a recommendation to address this. Cousins' initial vetting when he applied to join the Metropolitan Police Service in 2018 was also flawed. The Metropolitan Police Service did not take into account all of the information that was available to them. The outcome of the Police National Database check on Cousins was recorded as no trace, when in fact there were relevant entries. These consisted of a reference to Cousins being reported missing from home in 2013 and to his car being linked to an allegation of indecent exposure in 2015. A check of the Police National Database was then not included in Cousins' risk assessment when he applied to be an authorised firearms officer with the Metropolitan Police Service in 2019. Had it been, Cousins' association with the allegation of indecent exposure in 2015 in Kent would have been revealed, providing a further opportunity to affect his application. The opportunity for the Met to refuse him clearance on the basis that his name was connected to an allegation of indecent exposure in 2015 was missed yet again. Repeated failures in recruitment and vetting meant that Cousins could enjoy the powers and privileges that accompanied the role of police officer. He went on to use his knowledge of police powers to falsely arrest Sarah Everard. Even after Cousins' arrest and a review of his vetting clearance, the Metropolitan Police Service told the inquiry in 2022 that they would still have recruited him if provided with the same information. I find this astonishing. I make a number of recommendations to improve recruitment and vetting, covering everything from in-person interviews and home visits for new recruits to improvements for information sharing around transfers. In addition to the shortcomings in vetting and recruitment, the report shows very clearly how police investigations of indecent exposure were poor. Those offences were treated as low level by the investigating officers. Decisions to close some cases were taken early with minimal investigation. I am calling for a step change in the way police respond to indecent exposure cases. More research is needed to understand the link between this offence and the likely trajectory towards serious contact offending. And even without that trajectory, victims deserve to have their cases investigated properly each and every time. Attitudes towards the experience of those victimised by alleged incidents of exposure were not commensurate with the harm caused. In 2015, a member of the public telephoned Kent Police, having just seen a man driving a car while indecently exposing himself. This same witness gave the police the make, model, colour and registration number of the car information that was confirmed by automatic number plate recognition cameras operating in the area. In almost no time, checks by the police identified Cousins as a registered keeper of the car. However, despite having his home address and knowing that he was the only male insured to drive the car, Kent Police closed the case 
and took no further action. They did so without making any attempt to speak to a further witness or to Cousins himself. This was a grave error and a very obvious red flag. By failing to properly investigate the allegation, Kent Police missed a valuable opportunity to disrupt or even prevent Cousins' future offending and to bring into question his position as an authorised firearms officer with the CNC. Victims reported allegations of indecent exposure to the police on four occasions before Cousins' arrest. The two allegations reported to Kent were inadequately investigated. In addition to the 2015 allegation, Kent Police also responded to an allegation of masturbatory indecent exposure directed at a lone cyclist in a narrow country lane in 2020. With limited investigation, the case was closed. Had the investigation been more thorough, it is possible that Cousins might have been identified as an alleged sex offender and his offending and policing career disrupted. Just days before he abducted Sarah Everard, Cousins was reported for exposing himself at a drive-thru. The investigation into these allegations by the Metropolitan Police Service also fell below the standards any victim of crime should expect. For example, available evidence such as CCTV was not collected or considered. He was only interviewed and charged for those further offences of indecent exposure after his conviction for Sarah's murder. He was convicted for two of the reported crimes at the drive-through and the crime where he was reported for masturbating towards a lone cyclist on a narrow country lane. The inquiry is aware of five other alleged incidents of sexual offending involving cousins, which, for many understandable reasons, were never reported to the police. Given the known underreporting of sexual offences, I believe there may be even more victims of cousins offending. Data tells us that women do not always report being victims of indecent exposure. Evidence to the inquiry showed that policing does not always respond to it as it should. I make recommendations about improving the ways that police respond to those who report such crimes. I also recommend an immediate review be undertaken of indecent exposure allegations against serving police officers. My task in part one of the inquiry was to examine the facts and circumstances of the case of Wayne Cousins and the cultures in which he worked. Policing is, however, not a homogenous whole. Pockets of different cultures exist within police forces and police culture is something that will be examined during part two of this inquiry. Good police officers work alongside those who abuse their powers, behave inappropriately with their colleagues and do a disservice to the profession of policing. Some, like cousins, manipulate their image at work to avoid drawing attention to themselves. Outside of work, Cousins was reported in 2020 to have been seen wearing a police belt and items of police equipment while off duty. He described himself as an undercover officer. He was not. Although Wayne Cousins was not wholly a product of his working environments, those environments did nothing to discourage his misogynistic view of women and meant that providing he presented himself as professional, his deviant behaviour outside of work could flourish. Policing leaders need to radically transform their approach to police culture if future offenders like Cousins 
are to be denied opportunities to abuse police powers for sexual purpose. It is time certain types of behaviour, from the unacceptable to the criminal, and low standards are simply not tolerated in policing. This report is part one of the Angelini Inquiry. Part two is underway and the terms of reference for this work includes a broader national consideration of police vetting and recruitment, police culture and standards, and the protection of women in public spaces. This includes other tragic cases of femicide in public spaces. My approach to part two is informed by what I have learned during the course of part one. Part three of the inquiry is an investigation into the crimes and career of former Metropolitan Police Officer David Carrick. That work is also underway. The 16 recommendations I make are not all new. Failures of investigation, failures of HR processes and failures of vetting policy and practice are a depressingly familiar refrain in policing. Now is the time for change. Without a significant overhaul, there is nothing to stop another Wayne Cousins operating in plain sight. I would urge all those in authority in every police force in the country to read this report and take immediate action. Sarah's parents and loved ones live in the perpetual grief and pain of having lost Sarah in this way. Her death and the public discourse it caused should galvanise those responsible for policing to ensure that those who have the privilege and power of protecting us can be trusted. Thank you.